So if you have your Bible, turn to Psalms number 40 today. Psalms 40. We'll begin there. Psalm number 40. I love this psalm. It's a proclamation of David and uh, talking about faith, persevering in trial. David's been through some things. Feel much different, possibly, than you, Andrea. You know, how could God love me after I've been through all of this? After I've done so many things, after I've failed so many times. And uh, this is what David came up with. Amen. Psalms 40. Let's look. We already got it up there. All right, let's look at verse 4. Amen. We ready? Here we go. Verse 4 says this. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. He said, your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. God has that many thoughts toward you. And so in this series, it's for all of those who have ever had a dream or had an imagination that you could do something great, came into your mind that you could do something great. Maybe you've forgotten about it. Maybe it's been a long time ago. Maybe you've endured some failures along the way, some offenses. Maybe there are some things that have discouraged you. Maybe even for some of us years past, personal losses pile up and dreams begin to fade. We have delay after delay in our life of some of these dreams and maybe the purpose that we felt like God had on our life. But God is here this morning to let you know it isn't over yet. It isn't over yet. So here's my definition of imagine. Imagine simply means this. It's to form a vivid, vivid, get that word. It's a vivid, powerful image. You actually see it of something not present to the senses or present to your imagination. How many know that the human imagination is not only a great gift of God, it is also an aspect of the imagination of God. God gave us the gift of imagining, of creative imagination. I mean, God formed the universe out of his imagination. Come on now, I don't know if you understand the depth of that. He himself imagines. He himself has thoughts. The Bible tells us so. Listen to Psalm 40, verses 4 and 5 in the Message Translation. It says, Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. Turn your backs on the world's sure thing. Ignore what the world worships. The world's a huge stockpile of God wonders and God thoughts. Somebody say God thoughts. Nothing and no one comes close to you. He's talking to God. I start talking about you 
telling what I know and quickly run out of words. Neither numbers nor words account for you. We're talking this morning about God thoughts. That this word imagine applies to God himself. In fact, not only does it apply to God, but it comes from God. Why? Because God has thoughts. God has an imagination, and he's trying to convey that very imagination to us. But we trip up sometimes because of some of the things we named earlier. Maybe time has passed. Maybe you've been offended or failed or disappointed or whatever it may be. And God wants you to know this morning that imagine is a faith word. We talked about this last week. It's a faith word. It's the substance of things that we hope for. It's just not a, a blind hope that maybe something will happen. But our imagination, a God thought, a God imagination is a faith word. It sees dreams as reality. It sees the invisible. It perceives as real fact what is not yet revealed to your senses. Come on. Faith is the power that creates something out of nothing. God created something out of nothing except his imagination. He just imagined it first. And he's given you an imagination. How is it going to happen? I don't have the skills. I don't have the vocabulary. Uh, I, I don't have uh, the age. Uh, I don't have the experience. I don't have, I don't have. And that's all we look at is what we don't have. But there is something that you do have, and that is your imagination. Your creative imagination. Your God thought that God gave you. We quote this scripture a lot. We receive the scripture. We say it. We hear it preached about Isaiah 55 where God talks about my thoughts. Come on. What is it? My thoughts. Not your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When I, when I look at that scripture, when I hear someone quote it, almost as a cliche sometimes, uh, the first thing that comes to mind for my thoughts are not your thoughts, the first thing I do is begin to think what God could be thinking. Yeah, that's interesting scripture. I wonder what he's, his thoughts are not my thoughts. I think this way. God probably thinks that way. And I want to tell you to stop right there. Because what did you just say? You just quoted God saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts. You can't conjure up thoughts in your mind that God has. No matter what you can think of. That's what I do. Hmm, he's probably thinking this. And God's going, you don't know what I'm probably thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. I just told you my thoughts are not your thoughts. And I often think this, that especially as a pastor, a person who loves to study the word and look into Greek and Hebrew and all of these types of things, you know what I found out? The problem is that it's not that we don't understand Greek and Hebrew. Sometimes we just don't understand English. My thoughts are not your thoughts. It's very plain. And so instead of trying to think about what God is thinking, we need to pray and open up our mind. Empty it. 
That's not too far for some of us, but empty your mind and allow God to pour in. Don't be offended by that. I didn't. But allow God to pour his thoughts into your mind. These popular scriptures that we quote, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the what? Thoughts. I know the what? Thoughts. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. And when we, we quote that scripture, very often we, we think about the end of it. God doesn't think evil toward me. He thinks peace toward me. He gives us a future and a hope. This morning, God wants you to concentrate on the beginning of that particular passage and verse. He said, for I know the thoughts that I, listen to this now, think toward you. I think toward you. You, you, you. David said, how precious and weighty also are your thoughts to me. Oh God, how vast is the sum of them. I don't know if we really understand that God thinks about us. And not that he thinks about us as a whole, but God thinks about you specifically. God thinks about Michael. I don't think that way. I think God thinks about the church, or maybe he thinks about my family, or he thinks about people, or he thinks about Americans, or he thinks about you know, some group of people or life church or whatever it may be. But God is saying this morning, I think about you. I think about you. Somebody point to yourself and say, God thinks about me. It's amazing to me that God has thoughts toward Michael. God has thoughts toward Michael. We need to believe that. I don't know if we really believe it in our spirit, in our heart. I want you to say that this morning. God has thoughts toward blank, and I want you to put your name in there. You ready? One, two, three. God has. Now, that time, I, I know you, you, you said it and you repeated it, and most of you uh, are my friend and you like me, and you probably said, well, you know, the guy asked us to say something, so we'll, we'll indulge him and you know, because he said it, and I don't want to be embarrassed if everybody else is saying something. And, you know, I know it's kind of like that kind of thing. But this time, I want you to believe it. I want you to believe that God has thoughts toward your name. I want you to believe it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 20 seconds to get it in your heart. Think about that for a moment. God thinks about you. All of your flaws and failures, all of your successes, all that you have done, God thinks about you. God thinks about you. God thinks about blank. This time, believe it. Here we go. One, two, three. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Know that this morning, that God thinks about you. Now, I want to take that to the next level because you're thinking, wow, that is, you know what? If I really think about it, that is something that God thinks about me. And maybe you're like me. Maybe when you hear that, you say, okay, God thinks about me. So, you know, God's sitting on his couch, you know. Maybe he's uh, watching the real Housewives of Atlanta or something. I don't know what he's doing. And all of a sudden, a thought comes across his mind about me. He, he thinks about me. That would be awesome. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? 
if God's doing whatever he's doing with the cosmos and, you know, talking to angels and, I, you know, whatever it is. We don't know. My thoughts are not his thoughts, so I, I couldn't imagine what he's doing for us. But whatever it is that he's doing, uh, you know, and all of a sudden a thought comes across his mind, hmm, I'm thinking about Michael. That'd be very awesome, wouldn't it? That's not what God does, though. No, not according to Scripture. This scripture in Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think. Tell me the word. Tell me that word one more time. Toward you. Do you know that toward is not a passive word? Toward is not a word where you're just sitting down. If I thought about you, that would be one thing. But God has thoughts toward you. Specific thoughts for you. Now you can say, God thinks about Michael. God thinks about me. He thinks about me. He thinks about me. This word toward comes from a Hebrew word that means intentions, purposes. It means designs. It refers to the thoughts and purposes that fill a person's mind. God's thoughts toward you fill his mind with all that he thinks about and all that he has to do in the vastness of God. Thoughts about you fill his mind. And he thinks thoughts toward you, not passively. It means the will or decisions, the will of authority. His will is toward you. I've heard this phrase time and again in my life that you know, if you, if, you don't, if you don't want to do something, then, uh, you know, you don't want to follow God or you don't want to do something that he, he tells you to do. Listen, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. I've, I've, I've heard this phrase. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he won't do anything to interfere. Well, I, I want to tell you something this morning. That, yeah, there are times. God does want you to make a choice. We do have a choice. I mean, there is a word called predestination and there's a word called choice. How does it all come together? Our thoughts are not his thoughts. So don't start arguing about it. But he did give you a choice because he said, choose this day whom you will serve. So obviously there's a choice that you have to make. He gave us a choice. But I want to tell you something that God is active in your life. And if you don't believe me, why don't you go back and talk to Noah? Why don't you go back and talk to Jonah? Come on. Why don't you talk to David? Why don't you talk to Rahab? Talk to Hannah. Talk to some of these people. Uh, talk to Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, God is active in your life. God has thoughts toward you, and God wants to impose his will on you with your cooperation. Come on. Many, O oh Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted unto you. Cannot be recounted unto you. This, this, this toward means motion, folks. It means going toward something. He's coming at you. He's coming at you. Come on. It's a verb. It also means casting. He casts thoughts toward you all the time. You believe that? God, can. he thinks about you enough to cast thoughts toward you. Here's one of the things that trips us up. The reason I believe it's so impactful of Isaiah 55 that God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my 
thoughts higher than yours and my ways higher than yours. The reason I feel that that is so impactful is because the way that we look at God is based on our performance. You may say you don't, but we do. We do, and we think God really thinks about me and God has thoughts toward me. Yeah, but I really need to obey and I really need to do this and I really need to read my Bible more and I really need to pray more. Guess what? All of that is true. You do need to do all that. I'm not telling you you don't need to do it. But I'm telling you that God's grace, where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound. It does that much more abound. God already knew everything you would do. He knew every offense. He knew every shortcoming. He knew every failure before he created you. And he still set his love upon you. Do we have to line up? Of course we do. Now we got to go talk to Paul if you're thinking the other way. If you're thinking, well, I can just do what I want to do, then Paul go get on you. Paul going to say, God forbid. God forbid. Look at Romans 7 and Romans 8. God forbid. No, no, no. He's a daddy. He's going to get you. But you need to understand that he has thoughts toward you. He gives his thoughts, his imaginations to you. Imagine is a God thought. And God desires to speak his thoughts to us. Now what trips us up are our carnal minds. Because the carnal mind is what? Enmity against God. And I love in Romans chapter 8 verse 7 where, where it says the carnal mind. It doesn't say the carnal mind is at enmity. Like uh, the carnal mind is over here, God is over here, and we're going to fight back and forth. No, it says the carnal mind is, is. The word is. I know we've had trouble defining that word in our past sometimes, but the word is. It is enmity. The carnal mind itself. It's not at enmity. The carnal mind is enmity. God doesn't think the way you think is what I'm trying to get across to you. He doesn't think like that. He doesn't think that way. And we think, oh, I'm carnal. I'm unspiritual. I'm made of flesh. Uh, it's me. I'm the one uh, who, who's, who's uh, not lining up all the time. Yeah, you are that person. But God still loves you and it doesn't stop his love coming at you and it doesn't stop his thoughts coming towards you. It doesn't stop it. It doesn't stop it. If it does, why would Christ go to the cross? Jesus went to the cross not after you said, okay, if you go to the cross, then I'll serve you. That's what I would do. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, if I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to come and say, now look, about to do this now if I do this right I mean come on no 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 you could say that he went to the cross in faith in faith in a faith that you would come to him getting rid of sin come on thoughts in motion toward you from your past and negative thinking will trip you up listen to 2nd Corinthians 10 says, for the weapons of our warfare, you know it, are not carnal but are mighty in God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments. This is what we have to do. This is not just a quotable verse, folks. This is something we have to get in our spirit. To the casting down of arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. He doesn't think like you think. Bringing every thought, every thought, every single thought, every thought thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience 
when your disobedience is fulfilled. Come on. We have to bring every thought to him. Every thought. Because he doesn't think like you think. Lest God say, oh, Jerusalem, wash your hearts from wickedness that you may be saved. How long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? When you hear evil thoughts, what comes to your mind? My evil thoughts within me. Oh, yeah, Lord, you're right. Because the other day I was, th I, I was thinking about my boss and I was, I was hoping that a train uh, ran him over on the way home. I know there's no train tracks on the way home, but if a train could just come off the track, Lord, just this one time, you know, and uh, run him over, that would be okay. That would be okay, Lord. You know, maybe that, that's an evil thought. <laughs> I would say that's an evil thought, you know. Uh, you know, Lord, if she, if she could just get in an accident, I don't want her to die or anything, but if she could just hit her face on the windshield, you know, and smash her face or something, just, you know. Well, I'm talking about thoughts. I'm not talking about things we say out loud. Y'all have some thoughts. These are not my thoughts, by the way, but I've just... You know, the enemy will throw some thoughts in your mind. I mean, I could tell you some thoughts that have come across my mind, but then you probably wouldn't have me as pastor anymore. <laughs> but then I would just ask God to reveal some thoughts you've had. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, the enemy throws thoughts in our mind all the time, these, these negative thoughts, these negative thoughts. But let me tell you something. Those are not the only negative thoughts that God is talking about. You know, we have negative thoughts about ourselves that are just as evil and just as sinful, and I'll tell you why. When you start saying, uh, when God gives you a word, you read his word, that he loves you. You read his word, and, and, and you know his, 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 his will for your life based on this word. And you start saying, well, I can't do it, or I failed too much, or I don't know if God would really love me like he loves Dietra. You know, because she, she, she does devotions, and she reads her Bible, and she prays a lot more than I do, so uh, he probably loves her a lot more. When you start saying things like that, those are sinful and evil thoughts. Because God said, I don't think that way. So think about that. that. That's the same thought as wishing someone got run over by a train or someone got in an accident and smashed their face into the windshield. Same thought. It's, a, it's the same level of evil. Come on, it is. When you start thinking those things about yourself, why? Because God said, I formed you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you think less of yourself, you think less of God. You think less of him. Now, do we, of course, we do things. We fall short. God already knows that. He already knows that. He already knows what's going to happen. And he made it very simple for us, but we make it so difficult. He says, simply come to yourself, repent. But repent seems like I said, repent. Oh, such a big word. Not a big word. It means say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And don't do it no more. That's, all, that's what God, that's what, that's what, my favorite story in the Bible is the woman caught in adultery. I don't know why it's not the woman and the man caught in adultery, but the woman caught in adultery. And my favorite part of that story is when he says, where are your accusers? Well, there are none, Lord. Well, then get up and sin no more. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. She went from getting ready to be stoned and killed by everybody who had rocks in their hand to being forgiven by the love of the universe in a moment, in a moment. 
We have to believe that. We have to believe that. So don't have negative thoughts about yourself. Say about yourself what God says about you. And there are other thoughts that come toward you. God's thoughts are not the only thoughts that come toward you. Your negative thoughts come toward you. There are, there are thoughts from the enemy of your soul. Oh yeah, he has thoughts toward you. We know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Come on, but against powers and principalities, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts. That's what we wrestle against. Wickedness in heavenly places. But God, uh, God gave us a defense against those things. In fact, he put us on the offense, really. But he told us above all, in Ephesians 6, take the shield of faith, uh, which is with you, and it will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation. Come on, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You got both a defense and you got an offense. You can do this. You can do this. Don't think you can't do it. God equipped you with everything you need to do it. So what I want to encourage you this morning, stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself. That's what we're doing. We lie to ourselves. We lie. Lie is simply a false statement deliberately presented as untrue, a falsehood, and we do it to ourselves. Because we've already read the Word of God. We know that He loves us, yet we still say things, come on, that are contrary to the Word of God about ourselves and about others. And it's not a good thing. We can't do it. We can't do it. Stop lying to yourselves. Here are some lies that dreamers like you, dreamers like you should reject. Reject the, the fact that you don't have a dream. I don't have a dream. I don't know what the purpose is for my life. I don't have a dream. Yes, you do. You just haven't discovered it. Just because you haven't discovered something doesn't mean it's not there. If we, this, I can't see it. We're not all from Missouri. Some of the young people don't know what that means, but... You don't have to be shown, but faith is the substance of things hoped for. You have a dream. You have a dream, and a dream is what moves. A lie that says you don't need a dream. You don't need a dream. Just, just be practical. Just follow uh, the practicality. Come on, I, I believe I said it last week. One of my favorite speeches, as, as is some of yours, I, I have a dream. I have a dream. I don't have a strategic plan. But we start with a dream. Don't believe that you don't need a dream. You, de you do need a dream. Don't believe that your dream will never succeed. Well, yeah, I have a dream. And I know the person over there, Bill Gates, he had a dream. And this lady over here who started that company, she had a dream. I mean, my, I have a dream, but my dream is not like their dreams. It'll probably never come to pass. Stop lying to yourself. Just go to the Word of God. He, he, he's no respecter of persons. What about... My past has canceled my dream. That's a big one. All that I've done in the past, that canceled my dream. I had, yeah, yeah, girl, I had that dream years ago. That was a long time ago. You ever heard that? You ever said that? Hey, didn't you say you were, uh, I thought long, we talked a long time ago, some years ago, I remember you talked about starting a business. Yeah, girl, that was a long time ago. I just said it was a long time ago. So I already know it was a long time ago. But we're talking about it now. God is a now God. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I can't control what happened yesterday. 
Maybe I messed up yesterday. Maybe I fell short. Maybe I didn't move on my dream yesterday. Maybe I was disappointed. Maybe somebody offended me. Maybe I offended someone else. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I tripped. I don't, maybe it rained. I don't know what happened yesterday. All I know is it's now. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We will believe that he has given us a dream and we will move forward because he has thoughts toward us. He doesn't just think about us. He, he, he casts his image and his thoughts toward us and if God the one who created the universe cast images toward us I would think we would want to receive them and move on them the one who thought about stars and galaxies come on and planets and suns and moons and cosmos and whatever words that are in science he thought about all that stuff and then said let it be let it be some of you know, yeah. Let it be. Let it be. And guess what? It was. Thank you, Carla. It was. It was. But he thought it first. You serve a God that thinks. You serve a God that has an imagination. What about this? I'm going to be disappointed anyway, so why even start? I've been disappointed before, Sister Sharon, so why even try? Why even start? Well, you're still alive. What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? You still living? You still breathing? Start again. Yeah, but I started 16 times. Guess what? There's a number that comes after 16. It's 17. Thank you, Sister Sharon. 17. That's the one. You got to believe. Come on. This is the time. This is your time. What about my dream isn't important or my dream is too late? Your dream is not too late. You're still here. You're still living. Don't believe sometimes people have... People cast thoughts toward you. They cast the thoughts in their mind through their mouth toward you. The things that they say about you, don't believe that. Don't believe that. He, David said, deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying and from deceitful tongue. And, and when I read that, I think he's, I'm thinking he's talking about himself, but I also believe he's talking about others. They lying on me. They cast the negative thoughts toward me. No. And, and what about, here's a big one. The world culture. Listen, listen. I wish I could get this across to young people. But all of us need to understand that we cannot let the culture of the world form us and shape us. We can't be guilted into, well, because uh, I have a different view or a different definition of tolerance and, uh, you know, six billion people in the world think one way, but I think a different way because of the Bible. I'm not going to be guilted into conforming to the way that you think because the God of the universe says one thing, and I don't care if 7.6999 billion people say one thing, and if I'm the one person that God says something different, I'm going to believe that because... He is the truth, the way, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except by Him, which is why I serve Jesus. Nobody comes to the Father. He's not sitting on a mountain looking for enlightenment. Come on, I'm not trying to talk about somebody else, but I'm just telling you. He's not, he's not searching the universe. He's not telling you to search within. You know, it's, it's interesting. Just about done here, but it's interesting how people follow all of these world religions. And now you're saying, well, Christianity is a religion. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's another lie. Another lie that you believe. Christianity is not a religion. We don't have time today to get into that, but I'll be happy to talk to you about it. It is not a religion. Christianity is who you are. 
who you become. It's not a religion. And we, the people follow all of these religions, and people guide them. Well, I was listening to Confucius, and I listened to Buddha, and he told me that I need to search for enlightenment, and I need to search myself. Guess what? Wow. Ooh, Buddha, that's so, uh, wow. My mother told me that. I, I was watching The Wiz. It's a take on The Wizard of Oz. And she said, click your heels together three times and look inside yourself. I can hear that from Lena Horne. Wow. I mean, that, 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 listen, that don't move me. Oh, but when somebody gets up and says, I'm the way, the truth, and the light, no one comes to the Father except by me, and anyone that tries to come any other way but me is a thief and a robber. I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm the ruler of the universe. I created this stuff. Who will you compare to me? Who are you going to compare to me? When the waters were coming up, I said, stop, and they were no more. They stopped right there. I stopped time. Come on, who are we going to compare to God? That's the one I follow. That's a little bit more than search inside yourself. <laughs> we need to, to understand that the thoughts from the Holy Spirit, the thoughts from God are the thoughts that we need to, to mull over in our mind. We need to understand that God has rescued me from the dark power of Satan's rule. He cleansed me from all sin. He is the one who has forgiven me. He bought me with his own blood. He gave me a destiny, and he set me on my path toward my destiny. And guess what? God is committed to changing you so that you can live your dream. You ever looked at somebody and said they're living the dream? Yeah, you can too. God gave you a dream. God has chosen you for great things. Believe it. God has given you a dream for your hope and your future. For your hope and your future. Albert Einstein said this. He said, your imagination is your preview of life's coming attraction. It's your preview of life, your imagination. Yes, Albert Einstein. And then Napoleon Hill, he's an author, wrote this. He said, the imagination is literally the workshop wherein uh, plans are fashioned and created. It's the workshop. I have a dream. Indeed, God is the creator, and he has blessed us, and he blessed our minds to create too through the power of imagination. Now listen, don't get me wrong. I don't believe that we can manipulate our lives through thought. I don't believe in manipulation, but I believe that if we would take our thoughts and put them at Christ's feet, come on, we would understand what God's thoughts are. Imagination eliminates and diminishes the perception of obstacles. God gave us, folks, this incredible gift. And the reason I believe he gave us this gift is because what he himself has and what he himself does. When God gave us an imagination, he gave us a doorway into the way he thinks and into who he is. That's what he did when he gave us an imagination.